He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Aotearoa te rere aoe, te rautau o te reo irirangi. When I worked in Māori Radio, there was nothing untoward that happened in that time. I've never sworn on air, but there was an incident back in 1998. Moana AM was on location, broadcasting the Waitangi Tribunal hearings at a local marae. We were in the caravan taking the live feed. Uh, During a break, I was a roving reporter, and when it came time for me to cross back to the station, I couldn't hear anything in my earpiece. So I said with a big huff, Ugh, what's happening in that caravan? The person who had thrown to me in the field was the manager. I went back to the caravan and got a bit of a telling off. Now, it's not quite the F-bomb, and maybe I have left my mic on on a few occasions, but nothing to warrant a complaint. But then there was dead ear, as the name suggests. Uh, That's when you hear, well, nothing on the radio. And if it wasn't a transmitter issue, it was probably human error that was totally preventable. But sometimes the long smoke breaks and gossip sessions would cause dead air. And it wasn't unusual to hear someone sprint from one side of the building to the studio. And speaking of dead air, back in the analogue days, that's before the internet and computers were able to roll out the music for you, the DJ or announcer had to be there, like in the chair. Unless, of course, they found a song that was long enough to leave the studio. Probably November rain, which I think is close to seven minutes. It's six something. One of the songs I used to play to give me a lot of time was Papa Was a Rolling Stone. Stairway to Heaven, there by um, Led Zeppelin. Uh, Hotel California, that was one of them because there there was an extended (laughs) Hotel California version, eh? As an on-air announcer or radio host or DJ, the role is to keep things moving along. The person behind the mic would have a relatively good on-air voice. Yes, there is such a thing as a radio voice. Uh, There's a good measure of personality and, as you'll hear, ego. And as we heard with Nahiwi up in Nui, there's the funny times as well. Kia ora, uncle. Could I have a, could I have, I want to set you up for Mediana from, uh, you know, from Waipiro Bait. And I say to this kid, how old are you, bro? And he goes, eight. And I says, no, no, I'm not putting that song on you. Get off. And let's not forget the important outside broadcasts and on-air calls that don't quite go to plan. Tahi FM. Is it 45? 45, can we pop 45, please, we? <laughs> oh, it's on your side, Jay. Here, um, here you go, there's a penny. It, oh, who are we speaking to first? Candice. Candice. Okay, this is number 45. Oh. Oh, okay. How did it go? It's not 45. Oh. That's quite interesting, yeah, actually. We that. actually love it when people stay on air calls and wacky games like popping a balloon was an effective way to get listeners tuning in without breaking the bank. And it's this creativity, a kind of two-sided coin. There's no money for promotions, but you have to come up with ideas to help pull the listeners in. And doing it both on air and in the community. And that's where we are heading to in this episode. The on-air activity, the change of equipment that made on-air 
easier, well for some, and how community events or tragedies can put radio at the centre of people's lives. Enga iwi o te motu nau mai ki tēnei konai e Purangi. Aotearoa on air, Māori Radio, ko Justine Murray aho. This is episode 3, The Request Line. Kia ora, te reo te uru. Ah uh, yes, uh, kia ora, can I make a dedication? Ai, kei te whai tēnā. Meet Norman Rahiri. First of all, um, funny story is that I actually went to Wakalu University to become a teacher. He's from Tauranga and, like me, has worked in radio for many years, since the mid-1990s. And he's got quite the CV. Well, mum said I needed a part-time job instead of asking them every weekend for, for money so I could go to the, a place we called The Hilly. So that's another name for the Hillcrest Tavern, a popular pub in Kirikiriroa, Hamilton. So I went and got a, a part-time job. It was actually in radio called, called The Edge. I worked for about a couple of months for free doing barbecues and stuff like that. And then they brought me on to do some um, cart splicing. So I got paid for that. So I ended up getting 80 bucks a week. So Norm figured that teaching really wasn't for him and decided to give radio... I go. I uh, came back home and then there was another station, there was a sister station to the edge called Coastline FM. So I ended up getting the Middorns there and ended up slowly graduating to the, the to the night show. I was doing some stuff at My FM in Rotorua. Oh right, so yeah. before Tahi. Before oh. Tahi, I was doing stuff over at My FM in Rotorua. So Norman talks about Tahi FM, the now defunct youth-focused hip-hop and R&B station launched about 17 years ago. Now, this is when Norman and I worked together. We'll get back to that story soon. In the meantime, Norman continues to go through his very impressive CV. Well, Sunny FM, well, um, uh, Tamanaka Tutahi, and uh, then I came home here. Obviously, well, it was Tahi FM. Then I went to Christchurch was part of Tahu FM uh, for a long time. Then got my first actual managerial role at Te Korimako o Taranaki. Uh, from there I went to uh, Radio Tainui. It's called Tainui Live now. I'm doing the geographical yeah. map in my brain, yeah. <laughs> uh, then I came back home again, uh, went back to Tahu FM when, when Shane was the, the manager. And then, uh, then I went over to Rotorua with Tiaraway at first and then we created uh, a station called The Heat. Loving Rotorua. We love Rotorua. The Heat, 991. I'm trying to think that I haven't missed anyone out. <laughs> uh, you haven't gone north or no. like Okay. No, no, yeah. Just around the circle and, and down south. Oh, around, around the circle. We're in the central, sorry, central North Island and, and down south. So Norman has a lot of radio experience. Back in 2003, he was a feature on the afternoon powerhouse on the now defunct radio station Tahi FM. It was the more commercial arm of Moana AM. I got got a good relationship with with, with Shane Mitchell, mm. you know, mm. and me and him, we we got on straight away. And they were good mates outside of work. Like yes. I was doing DJ work at. Um, nightclub here that used to be called Harrington's. That's right, yeah. And he would come in and drink my bar tab, as, <laughs> as he did. We created a um, an afternoon program with Shane and the Afternoon Spoon. And the Afternoon Spoon, uh, personally, I thought was um, ahead of its time. This is the Afternoon Spoon. Broadcast you live from the Warehouse Stationery for 98.2 Tai FM. Beware. 
he could be coming to see you. There was no big budget for promotion, no $10,000 guess that sound. Back in 2003 at Tahi FM, it was more like handing out free stuff over summer like food and drink, promoting local hip-hop artists or the classic morning tea shout, or creating a character, kind of like a roving, fun-loving idiot. Hello, I'm the Afternoon Spoon from Tahi FM 98.2. I was wondering if the people in the cafe area would like to stand up and sing the national anthem with me. So you're on Windermere campus? Yes. It's someone's birthday that's in a particular class? Yes. And they don't even know that you're coming, do they? Correct. We, we're about to go into the classroom is it, right now. Is it a full class? I have no idea. I say it's a full class, my friend. We are going in. Let's put into context that we would never be able to get away with that now. The, 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 the good thing about it is that people believe that the afternoon spoon, which was me who are Māori, was an actual Indian. Uh, the disappointment when people realised that the afternoon spoon wasn't <laughs> Indian and it was just a, a made, up. Of, made up person who's actually from here in Tauranga. The, the, the disappointment on people's face was like, oh, you're not even Indian. <laughs> so, yeah, but it, it was still a great concept that we had brought on. Uh, brought on and people laughed. People laughed. Yep. People enjoyed it. You know, we actually rated relatively well considering we were a new station, Tahi FM. Yeah. Um, we actually made a dent in taking some of the the market share from some of the other um, mainstream stations. The catchphrase of Tahi FM was the one for hip-hop and R&B, and it operated under Moana Communications. It launched in 2003 and closed around 2012. But on December the 1st, 2021, RNZ launched its new youth digital platform called Tahi. Uh, it's nice to hear the name again, associated with Rangatahi and good music. Te Reo Irirangi o Tainui goes back to 1989 and like was just before the summer of 89. Uh, I remember I was 14 at the time uh, and I'd come home from boarding school from Jyoti. And... Uh, yeah, no, I, I had no idea. We actually were building a radio station um, up at the par, and I come back and I was like, well, where is everyone? And then they're, like, they're at the station. I was like, what station? That's Matu Taira Hirangi, content producer at Tainui Live. Like Norman, he has a wealth of knowledge about the history of the radio station. Back in 1989, talking on the radio was, well, a bit of a buzz. I mean, that whole summer, we pretty much spent our whole our whole summer at that at the radio station that was that was our place to be and um, when we first started it was uh, 100% te reo Māori our reo was very limited what I do remember is that um, you know we learnt to script our voice breaks and our announcements and even better the radio station was amongst the people at the local par straight across the road from the the marae there used to be a, a old whare there that that old whare belonged to you know one of our whānau of the marae, and I don't know how they worked it out, but they managed to convert that whare into the, the first radio station. Um, but on the other side of Namiro is our little warden's office. For a little while, the, the warden's office became the, the radio station as well. So, yeah, for the first, oh, I think it was about 21, 22 years of the radio station, it, it was there um, wow. beside the marae. 
Yeah, and, and then we ended up moving over to um, Marawahia Township. Auckland-based urban music station MyFM launched in 1992 and a few years later had cemented itself in the Auckland radio market. An early catchphrase at the time was Auckland's hottest music. Now, during this time, the influence of MyFM also started to spread to Māori Radio and Radio Tainui, as it was called back then, was no exception. Keeping it Maui all day. This is part of outside all history. Amazing elders. These guys have got something special. 95.4 Tainui Live. They sort of started um, creating this urban rangatahi kind of vibe and, and irirangi. And yeah, we, we definitely started to jump on that, that same waka and really promoting local Aotearoa musicians, um, R&B and hip-hop. and I think that's when things really started to shift and, and started to um, get a lot more mainstream feel with, with Reo Māori and Kaupapa and Tikanga Māori. Was that a good melding? Did you find a good balance of te reo Māori versus appealing music-wise to the young listeners? And it's always been one of the challenges, eh, is finding the balance between being, you know, musically appealing and then still being able to um, maintain, you know, quality um, real and, and kaupapa kōrero uh, amongst all that. Tūranga Waiwai Marae Ngāruawahia is host to the annual coronation or koroneihana and on a smaller scale, the pokai. Fifteen years ago, the tangihanga of the late Tiarikinui Dame Tiatarangi Kahu was held, part of which was televised. RNZ was there. Our kakawariki is still out on the water and we're waiting for her to come on. It's the Wakaama, Kauhoi Waka team. They're paying their tributes to our Arikinui with their special haka. In Behind the scenes at events like this, live streaming and broadcasting has certainly become part and parcel of Māori Radio allowing our whanau to be involved with that from their living rooms, from their kitchens, from their cars, you know, um, wherever they were, they didn't actually have to physically be out here at the marae to know what was going on, um, you know, and that, and that goes for all of our kaupapa, um, koroneihana, you know, the, the, the most difficult um, challenges we, we've faced over the years of doing outside broadcasts or OBs as we call them, right, is um, technological. So back in the day, we we had a uh, RF aerial that would, um, you know, connect to the radio transmitter back at the station across the other side of the river. So we had to like elevate it up so high that it could actually have a line of sight. And these days, well, yeah, we can basically take a, a modem a phone and a little um, Comrex unit that receives the audio down and, and sends our, our audio out of it. You can basically just cruise around on, with it on your shoulder. 
you know, we get out to, to many other events, um, Wakaamaya at Karapiro. It just allows people to, you know, be connected with what's happening at home um, when they can't be there. And while Māori radio can shift between being entertaining, informative and serious, there's the light side of things as well. Oh, man, the amount of times that the mics were left on, <laughs> you know, and the conversations after we thought we were off air. Oh, man. And for somebody <laughs> to ring up and, and then say, hey, I can hear you fellas talking. It's like, oh. I had become a carpenter in Wellington City. I was um, in, the, in the final days of Māori Affairs trade training. This is Aubrey Hughes, a.k.a. Orbs. A change in career from carpentry to radio was probably inevitable. Once I got qualified to come back home and help um, put together the recording studio, which was an outside studio for wow. Miriang Antiporo, and because I was an off-station voice, uh, if you are in the peripheral of a, of a radio <laughs> station, they will drag you into voice, voice ads and yes. stuff, and yep. I really liked it. Um, so much so that when I finished my carpentry work, yeah. um, there was an opening at Te or Ngāti Poro for their broadcasting course. It was a radio technical production course, a six-month one. So I signed up on it and then went back to Wellington because I still had my flat there, grabbed all my yep. stuff and right. moved back to Rotoria to do this course. <laughs> I did a couple of years at Ngāti Poro and really loved, loved radio. But um, I also realised that at some stage, if you want to stick at it or make a career out of it, mm. I should go off and get some sort of qualification, which would allow me to work at other radio stations mm. if I wanted to. But I signed up at broadcasting school in oh. Christchurch. And I think at that stage, that was the only... Um, they hadn't yeah. opened the one in Auckland yet. Yep. Yep. So if you wanted to do broadcasting, and that's TV and everything, you had to go to Christchurch. From Ruatoria to the bustling city of Christchurch. So I signed up and went down there, found myself a place to live, and then knocked on Tahu FM's door and said, I'm from Radio Ngāti Poro. And so I'd met the staff at Tahu, so they were open to the idea of me sort of filling in. And the manager there at the time said, oh, what do you want to go to school for? You can learn it right here on the front lines doing it. And I foolishly agreed. Right. right. So you quit I, I never did sign up oh. on the broadcasting course. Oh. Tahu FM were just um, merging with my, And it was just hugely exciting. Tahu FM. It was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. Te reo, o te wai Welcome to Amarai. It's our Turanga Wai Wai. This is Tahu FM. Just like we heard from Matutaira Hirangi of Tainui Live about the influence of My FM, a partnership would come about by its former owners, Ngāti Whātua and South Island iwi Ngai Tahu. Tahu FM would broadcast the My FM music format. Now this was between 1996 to 2001 and Orbs would end up with a coveted spot in primetime. We all did interviews because there was like, 
I don't know, a dozen announcers, and they only needed like four. Ah, okay. So some made it through. I was doing mid-morning at Tahu, and Graham Pryor, who was the manager of my FM at the time, came down and said, oh, I like the way you sound. How would you feel about doing breakfast? So I did that instead of going to broadcasting school. Hey, that's, some would say that's pretty good with a breakfast host. Yes. Um, wow. So it was a big, big challenge and scary because the powers that be were listening in in Auckland to how you sounded. But it was, yeah, cool. There have been reports of a huge earthquake in Christchurch. We don't have official details yet, but our reporter, Jessica Maddock, joins us now from In 2011, the Christchurch earthquake on the 22nd of February killed 185 people and displaced many more. I was in Wellington covering the emergency efforts, helping out evacuees. So we're here at Pipitia Marae. Could you explain um, the people that stayed overnight and and what um, different areas around Wellington are, are hosting the evacuees, some of the evacuees? Yes, we have. There's been several um, uh, welfare centres tonight here at Pipitia. How how did it impact you and the whānau of Tahu FM? We were based on the CBD, which probably got it the worst. Yeah. Um, So there are two quakes one at the end of September 2010, and then the other one February 2011. We got shut out of our premises in the February one, 2011, and all of Ngaitahu moved out to um, the western suburbs to um, Addington, and um, we wound up in Wigram, Wigram. which is the old airbase that Ngaitahu had purchased just before the earthquake. Um, So they've created their own little suburb out there now, and we were based on um, on the old airstrip. So they wow. brought in a bunch of portacoms. It's Portacom City. If you can imagine, like thirty portacoms in a big car park, all wired up with plumbing and stuff, and we all the divisions were put into those. So we had one copy of whatever software we were using at the time. I think it was Next Gen or something like that. And I would take it at home at night and then do scheduling and bring it back, and the DJs would use it during the day to go to air. Oh wow! Mm. Just had to pretty much. Do what you had to do. Yes, wow. yeah. D- did you feel as though the station was a definite lifeline, that sense of connecting to the community or being out there as a, as a radio station? Do you remember? Yeah, very much. So we were delivering information and we were – it was a lot of requests and stuff. So it was basically give them what they want. If they ring up for a song, give them that, like anything, even if it wasn't really format. Because people out there were really suffering. Some people had lost homes. They had nothing, you know. Or and we had um, when we weren't working on the radio part of it, everybody in Ngaitahu, regardless of what office they were in, were out in the big. They have these big hangars where the planes used to be parked, and Ngaitahu would from all over the South Island were sending in clothes and pots and pans and you know truckloads every day. Wow. And our job was to get in there and sort them out into piles. And then other crews would deliver them to families. Yeah, just really, really, really ground-level support. So with his experience at two stations, Radio Ngāti and Tahu FM, what was the point of difference? At Radio Ngāti under Ngāhiwi Apanui, the kaupapa was Ngāti Purautanga. That was his passion. When I got to Tahu... Slightly, slightly different. And then when Mai came in, um, it, I got a taste of the commercial 
So a real a real shift, and they taught us delivery, like how to exist and survive in the in the commercial radio environment, mm-hmm. which is really tough. You're on call twenty four seven in a in a in a labelled jacket out there kissing babies and giving bumpers, you know, giving away bumper stickers. And Goodness. but summer is the season for that's when you get your market is the biggest because people are out of, so they're listening to you at the beach. Yeah, or yeah, summer's yeah. a real radio, uh, radio's a real summer kind of thing. So you're really looking to hit those big numbers in the summer. And commercial stations have a budget for book where they try to buy their listeners. So, yeah, you just have to be sort of crafty about it and um, be visible and active, do loads and loads of community promo. And if you don't rate well, that can hurt um, if you don't get big numbers. It's a, it's a real lottery. You know, it doesn't necessarily if uh, it's not a great representation of how much work you've put into your show. It's just where the surveys wound up and who was giving that feedback. Yes. Some surveys are amazing, and other ones you don't you don't do so well, even when you worked really hard. So that can be that can be a bit of a kicker. Mm. And then in commercial radio, if you don't rate, you don't you could lose your job, and they hire somebody else for the next book. That's that's the nature of it. Do you think it impacted at all with? Um you know, if you're going to put yourself out there as a personality on air, did that in any way affect your your own uh, sense of self or your own ego? Maybe if you if you didn't rate well, do you they think? we are told you need a certain amount of ego to exist on on air. You need a, a bit of a bit of self belief, yep. um, and be a little a little bit more larger than life. But as I say, if you if your if your survey doesn't do well. It's um, you, it takes a little while to dust yourself off. You sit there, and it's a back to the drawing board thing. What am I doing wrong? Yeah. What could I have done better? You know, so yeah, it's a bit of um, takes it takes a bit of getting used to. Now, at the time of our interview for this podcast, Orbs worked at Moana Radio in the afternoon show, the A and O show. But he decided it was time for a change. What the best part of twenty five? Almost thirty years. Almost thirty years. Yeah. Um, why? <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, so, so was it, is it going to be a hard move for you, or are you just ready to move on to different and very different things? Maybe I shouldn't completely close the door on it. But thirty years is a long True. time. A good friend of mine told me you should never do a job longer than ten years. Yeah. And you know about personal growth and things like that. I am ready to go and give other things a try. It's kind of scary because after thirty years, I define myself as a broadcaster, and when I'm doing other things, I'm just a broadcaster trying trying this. That's who nice. looks at me from my mirror in the morning as a broadcaster. From weird and sometimes wacky on-air promotions to playing popular music and highlighting local artists, covering local events, Māori Radio is there to serve its community and listeners while striving to promote Te Reo Māori me ona tikanga. Did you have you been on air? Have you ever actually hosted a show? <laughs> Going from Never. <laughs> That's not my thing. But uh, you know, there's been a couple of t- it's only been a, probably twice that I've ever joined an announcer on air. I take my hat off to anybody who uh, can get in behind the mic and do a, do a show. In the 18 years that Trina Koroheke has worked at Tainui Live, she prefers to work behind the scenes. Trina started her career as the receptionist back in 2003 and is the current manager. Her introduction to Māori Radio was, well, a bit of a culture shock. My dad would have the radio on and honestly, um, Peter Tengaru and Jesse 
Jessie Rawuri would uh, be the breakfast show um, hosts. Uh, Womble and Blossom, they were called back then. And I was just shocked because I'd never heard anything like that before. You know, I'd been, um, my, my radio station was Triple M in Sydney. So coming home and hearing people just <laughs> singing and um, joking and, and having some really hard case conversations, you know, I thought that was really cool. And they were so lucky to have that back here. And there were definite perks of the job. Being able to engage with people. And, you know, you just made their day. If you take a take the time to take a birthday call, they wanted a shout out. It wasn't really part of my job, but it was something that I loved doing, you know, because uh, people just loved us back then. They still love us today. I worked at Moana AM and then at Tahi FM for 10 years. Both were run by the same organisation. Norman Rahiri, he's worked in radio for about 25 years and with Aubrey, close to 30. So what keeps staff at Māori Radio for these periods of time? I asked Trina about longevity. What, what kind of keeps you there? We've got the platform to help. And I love, I love being able to promote our language on the radio, um, finding cool ways to do that. And now that we've integrated into the iwi, we have more opportunities to work alongside our Mātauranga Māori uh, unit and our um, culture and heritage unit to create resources to use on the radio and online. I love it because of the engagement with the people that's first and foremost. You know, what other job do you have where you can go to Kaupapahui, be with your people, and um, share the content of those who are with our people who can't be there. They're just so grateful for everything that Iwi Radio, um, well, Tainui anyway, has done over the years. And that all started way back before me. Trina oversees the lighting, the outside broadcast, the sound, the entertainment as part of the Koronehana at Turangawaiwai Marae. Now, there are many positives about working in Māori Radio. But on the other side, with her manager's poor tie on, I ask her, what are the toughest parts? It's finding staff who are really passionate about this kind of mahi, and I, I'm still struggling to find those people today. They like the idea of uh, them being on the radio, but I don't think a lot of them have actually realised the reason that they are there is for the audience. They don't get that. You know, it's just a handful of people that really get that and and so will, of their own, you know, initiative, uh, develop and further develop their shows rather than it being like Groundhog Day, right? Our audience, they deserve more than that. Eh? They deserve better. Uh, HR has been, is really the biggest challenge. And trying to get everybody on the waka, but you've got to, it's a constant propping up. And that's why the best strategy is that you check. Aotearoa on air. This is a four part series about Māori Radio. You've been listening to episode three, The Request Line. Next time. I think that we're in a way better position now, now here in 2021, than we have been over the past 15, 20 years. Like our values within our station is like the number one thing that we look for is all about um, connecting with our people as well. So I think the media shift, what they're doing is pushing more things to be online, which is fair enough. That's where a lot of people consume their content online. And I don't think there's any iwi radio station in the country that doesn't agree with that. Uh, The thing is, just fund us to do it. 
that's coming up on episode four, The Shift. This series about Māori Radio was written by me, Justine Murray. Our engineer was Mark Chesterman and a special mihi to Shannon Honui Thompson. Kai tiwa tu ki tērā, ka nui taku mihi ki ngā ringa katoa o ngā reo irirangi Māori.